0: 104.7 The Cave, KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network.
1: Touchdown, Kansas City!
0: Now, it's time for Ned Talk.
2: Yeah, it's that time again, where we sit around and chat about sports. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Happy Father's Day! everybody out there happy father's day to mr reynolds Thanks, how are you? thank you yeah and happy father's day to john oliver happy father's day to you too
3: happy father's day to you as well joe thank
2: you Kendall, marshall and holden did they do anything for you uh yeah yeah actually breakfast I a... in bed
3: <laughs> no, 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 no no they're all <laughs> still sleeping are you kidding they're teenagers but no yesterday was great and i'm sure i'm sure we'll do something today so my wife's been great about that
2: fantastic what about
1: you? Any Father's Day plans No, well? it's it's pretty much routine, as always, due to the show here. And then go home and do whatever, putter mm-hmm. around. Mow the lawn? No, that was done yesterday.
2: <laughs> I, I mowed my lawn yesterday, finally. Neighbors are all glad about
0: that.
1: Well, well I'll tell you, I can't speak for you, but mowing, I, don't, I don't dislike mowing the lawn. It's a good way to get out and get some exercise. And uh, you're... By yourself, you have chance to mull over things. Yep, it was a bit on the uh, toasty side yesterday. Mm-hmm. By the time it was all over, excuse me, <clears throat> I was uh, what's known in the sports vernacular as gassed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you want to start out this week? You want to start that uh, tomorrow's the day when sticky
1: substances start being checked. Sure, and that will happen. It absolutely will happen. There's no question about it, it, how odd that from a chronological standpoint, it'll be the first day of summer. Yes. So they will check the scene and see how you I think you're mixing perspiration with your rosin there. Uh, you're out now. <laughs> I wonder just how <laughs> deeply they will go, they being the umpires and Major League Baseball for that matter, how deeply they will investigate how much, how much of an impact it'll have. I am very interested in the penalty, the penalty for the person who is. Judged to be in violation of that rule. And the penalty is a 10-game suspension. Correct. But the pitcher is still paid. Still getting their money. So, now, a 10-game, what's that? A start and a half that you're going to miss with the starters. Now, it could be a reliever, and he is going to be out for 10 games. Maybe, of course, if you're the Cardinals, that may be every game. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But the fact is, it does go into effect tomorrow. We'll see what happens with it. Uh, I'm interested to see what
3: happens. And I know we've talked about this extensively over the last year and a half, Ned. You know, with the collective bargaining agreement expiring soon, this is not a good time to put something like this in midseason. Tyler Glass now, who many may not know, he is a superb pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. And he is out for the year now. And he actually blamed it on not being able to use... You know, simple rosin, things like that, because he was trying to get used to gripping the baseball without that. I think this is a little bit of a witch hunt. I don't agree with the spider tack, you know, synthetically engineered stuff. But I mean, rosin and spit, they've pretty much been around since a ball's been thrown. It's
1: part of the game. Hair gel. Hair gel, yes, yeah. Those those things, yeah, I think what they're looking at more than anything else is the emery boards, uh-huh. the nail files, the individuals who might be able to cut a groove into the baseball and so forth and so on. I think really that's, and the spider attack would be in that category. Mm-hmm. But, in terms of some of the other you know what is illegal, spit and rosin it's always been used right Come on but what, what, <laughs> and what was it I heard the other day, a batter saying, "Hey, I'd rather be fishing a pitcher who does have control absolutely. of that baseball absolutely,
3: <laughs> yeah, and I've heard a lot of conjecture around the fact that this is all because of Mike Schultz's postgame comments after Gallego's cap was checked. That's a bunch of hooey to me. I mean, Schilt said what everybody has been saying. This came out with an Angels Clubhouse guy before the season started. It wasn't made a big deal out of, but he named a bunch of pitchers because he's in a lawsuit that he had supplied his special mix to. It's not because of Schilt. It's because baseball, as it always does, is trying to, quote unquote, clean things up, which I think at a lot of times makes them shoot themselves in their foot.
1: It does. I I cannot disagree at all, John, with what you say. They they seem to have a knee-jerk reaction to whatever happens. I am not a big fan of uh, uh, Rob Manfred at all. Some of the decisions he has placed on Major League Baseball I think have been detrimental as opposed to... uh, Certainly, the the thought process of advancing the games and quickness and speed and so forth. There may be some merit to that, but that's not exactly how you do it. By by changing the rules of the game, you tell them to concentrate on the basics of the game, and it'll happen. <laughs> let's it stop. Happen.
2: Let's stop right there, though. Is this going to speed up the game in any way, shape, or form? Of course not. N- no. No. It's it's another attempt to slow down the game. Almost. So you,
1: you have a paradoxical situation from the very man who is imposing this, the commissioner, does he think this way? No, 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 no. All he is doing is, again, to use the term, it's a knee-jerk reaction to somebody's criticism. Well, we're going to solve that problem right here and now. Yeah, okay. There's an interesting statistic. So
3: it's since the advent of the extra inning runner on second rule, the seven inning double headers and pitchers having to, if they come in and relief, pitch to three batters. Game times are up by two minutes.
1: <laughs> says it so all, doesn't it?
3: That really says it all to me. This hasn't solved anything. It's just complicated a game more than it needs to be complicated.
1: We'll go back to the original uh, pro- uh, supposition here, and that is. That if the basics of the game were concentrated on, if hitters were told to hit the ball, make contact with it, mm-hmm. get the base hits, get people on base, advance them, score some runs, instead of going for the blasted long ball every time and have the pitchers, have the pitchers change their game to the point where they're pitching away from the contact and maybe uh, widen the strike zone just a little bit, you mm-hmm. have
2: the quicker games. Come on. Well, I I I'm going to disagree with you right there just in the simple fact that I think pitchers need to pitch to contact because that is that's that's that's, that's, that's Maddox. Yeah. I mean, he that's wasn't out there trying to strike guys out. He was trying to throw in that spot where all that guy could do was hit a ground ball to the second baseman. Yeah, I I'm,
1: I'm, that's a misstatement what I said. Okay. What I meant was, yes, pitch to contact because if you widen the strike zone, you're going to pitch to contact. Yes. That's that's just a it's a foregone conclusion you will have to. And, yes, that will make the games a whole lot quicker you know, by, what, 10, 15, 20 minutes, somewhere around yeah. there, and get rid of this launch angle crap and all Ugh. that other stuff that they have here. That <laughs> doesn't make any sense at all, none.
2: I've seen some really bad swings from guys, too, swinging really over the ball. Oh, and it's, yeah. it's kind of just an attempt to, you know, like you say, put a ball out, and it's— you know, they foot over a ball, and it's like, I'm going to swing in this spot and if the ball happens to be there right. <laughs> and that's great. I'll hit it out. I have to disagree with you, though, John, on one thing, and that is Mike Schilt, because a lot of this really started to gain traction after Mike Schilt came out and said some stuff. And there was a story on ESPN today that said that this has always been kind of a gentleman's agreement among managers to not say anything because everybody was doing it and Schultz the first one to come out and go, "Well, here's the dirty little secret. Everybody's putting stuff on the ball." So, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit that Schultz broke a rule there. He he spoke out of turn. Yeah, I mean,
3: that's fair. It did put more of an eye on it, but I know this is going to probably agitate you more. Why didn't this get blown up when the story came out before the season started? Why does it have to be now? Oh, it, because it's a negative story, and we love to jump on negative baseball stories. And everything else.
2: Yes. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. It's your local live sports talk show. Ned Reynolds, John Oliver, <laughs> <laughs> myself. We're talking about sticky stuff on baseballs. <laughs> I said baseball. No, yes. I, I didn't leave. the. I put the word base in there. <laughs> yes, just, thank just you. To, just to cover myself. Happy Father's Day. We talked Day about to everybody.
1: the heat too. So yeah. Just <laughs> l- let's make it clear too. When you're talking about sticky stuff, you're not talking about gobs of glue and all that <laughs> yeah. falling from the ball. <laughs> no. no, it's it's the, to make the pitchers or allow the pitchers to have a better grip on the baseball. And it has been going on since the dawn of uh, of uh, official Major League Baseball, which 1901, when the official records began to be kept. And it's done in every angle, done in every phase of the game. It, it's part of the game. Now, are there some who carry it well beyond what it should be? Sure. Uh-huh. I remember I've told you guys this one before. One of the first interviews I had when I came to KY3 was a guy who I I can't say idolized because he pitched for the Brooklyn Dodgers <laughs> and Philadelphia fans just <laughs> like that. But Preacher Row. Okay. So where does he live? They said, yeah, have you ever heard of him? I've heard of him? Yeah. Well, I've seen him pitch. Of course. Okay, so uh, the, I said, I'd love to interview the guy. Well, just down the road here in West Plains. Down the road, my behind. 110 <laughs> miles. And this is back in 1967. <laughs> we go down there, drive down there, and it took, oh, back then almost three hours to get down there. Mm-hmm. Found him in the grocery store stocking the shelves. He owned the grocery store. He was, the year before... That very year before that, which would have been 1966, mm-hmm. there was an article, lengthy article in Sports Illustrated, back when SI was SI. Yes. It's not now, uh, about how pitchers doctor the ball. And he's the guy they interviewed because he was a master of that. Mm-hmm. I think he he was 21 and 3 for the Dodgers <laughs> in 52 or 53. He's already over the hill by then. Mm-hmm. I, I, said, uh, I said, Is all of that true, Mr. Did He said, Oh, yeah. I said, Somebody would come in, they'd, I'd be out of the game, and here come, might come Clem Labine or somebody from the bullpen in it. I'd just prepare the ball for him a little bit with my fingernails, and nobody oh, ever, huh? hey, it's been going on. Come on.
2: <laughs> I, I think this is a reaction, too, to the fact that scoring's down. Yes. Home runs are down. Mm-hmm. Action's down. But we all know, being big, long-time baseball fans, the hitting and the home runs slows the game down Mm -hmm. 12 to five baseball games are the four hour baseball games, a well-pitched baseball game, a one to two or, or two to one, three to two sort of baseball game. That that's a two and a half hour baseball game. Mm -hmm. There's not many long balls. There's not much as far as, but there's so much of baseball that's just disappeared. Uh, I w they had some weird statistic in the game yesterday, uh, I watched the the Yankees and the A's play yesterday, and it was weird statistic that the Yankees um, were the last in the league in the the extra in the extra base running, and you could tell that that idea bristled both Michael Kay and Paul O'Neill and David Cohn, who were doing the game, mm-hmm. that they were playing basically station to station baseball. They weren't going first to third they weren't going second to home Mm -hmm. uh there's not a lot of stolen bases there's not a lot of sacrificing anymore in fact you find a lot of guys don't know how to lay down a bunt anymore and all those parts of the game which are to me and i know there's people out there rolling their eyes that's truly exciting to watch a guy lay down a bunt or mm-hmm. hit, the, hit the other way when he needs to to move a base runner over to make a positive out.
1: If it is done properly and who of all people was the individual, of all individuals, the one to bunt into a double play the other day, Wainwright. Yep. He laid down a terrible bunt. Picked it up, got the guy. I think at third, third at first, and yes. first. Yes, yeah. seen yeah. a lot
2: of bad base running. I mean, a ton of of uh. really, really bad base running. I mean, the Yankees turned their second triple play of the season, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you frequently don't see that. Mm-hmm. And the triple play that they turned the other season was just it was a it was a bad bunt. They threw <laughs> out the guy. At, I think they threw out the guy at first base. Then the runners advancing, both got caught in rundowns, and they threw both of them out.
1: But the reason they were advancing is because they did what they were supposed to, and that's put their head down and start running. They are assuming the butt is going to be good. Right. But they
2: both got in rundowns.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because they realized, (laughs) why is everybody stopping here? Nobody. Resp- Why is everybody picking on me? <laughs> that old <laughs> coasters thing. Anyway, yeah. that's that's what they were. Uh, that's what they were looking at. Their heads were down. And then once, uh oh, uh oh, we've got some problems here. That's what. In fact, the third out on that triple play was uh, the runner going back to first base. He never even bothered to attempt it. He. Just, <laughs> the fielder just picked up the ball and kind of walked over and touched the base. Out. O U T.
2: We've seen a lot of bad baseball. I mean, mm-hmm. you, we talked about the Pirates last week and some of the plays that they made on the field. Uh, you know, an exciting team like the Blue Jays. If there's bad base running. You see a lot of of base running not being taught as part of the game anymore. And when they talk about five-tool players, that's one of the things they talk about. you got to be a good base runner. you got to have a good head on your shoulders. Nothing like seeing a stolen base.
1: Agreed. A stolen base is one of the great... Features of all of baseball, mm-hmm. and here you had here you had two of them on the Cardinals: Lou Brock and Vince Coleman, uh, two yeah. of the very best in the game. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to, have to look it up in my Major League stats, but I think the Cardinals are maybe next to last in stolen bases this year. This something. year, yes, ridiculous mm-hmm. number. Because like
2: sabermetrics says that a stolen base is not worth the risk. No, which and is
1: wrong. It is. It is.
2: It's just it's dead wrong, and it makes the game exciting too. Exactly. I mean, you think about it: a guy like Ricky Henderson, mm-hmm. Maury Wills, Lou Brock. A walk was a double. That's right. That's pretty much almost a guaranteed double. Mm-hmm. Because they walk and then they steal. And then you get a guy who comes up. You know, your, your, your number two hole hitter traditionally was a guy that put the ball in play. And he hits to second base. That guy goes to third. One out. You got a guy at third. And then all you need from your number three hitter is a base hitter, a fly mm-hmm. ball. And it's one nothing already.
1: Contact. Making Great. contact with the walls, so All you have to do.
2: I and feel like,
3: oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go I ahead. was just going to say, I feel like baseball, and I'm not blaming Rob, Man- Rob Manfred, but I kind of am. <laughs> it, it's trying to keep up with the NBA. The NBA is the explosive sport. There is a ton of scoring no matter what. People like scoring. That's what you look for in games. I do want to point out that hockey and soccer have huge fan bases around the world. Many hockey games end after three periods in a one-to-nothing game. Many soccer games go scoreless for almost two and a half hours. For some reason, Major League Baseball feels it needs to keep up with that. And it's lost the one-nothing exciting games that we used to enjoy. It's lost the fundamentals. And it goes back to that horrible Tom Glavin and Greg Maddox ad for Nike you know, twenty five years ago where it said chicks dig the long ball. <laughs> the game has become that. It is completely asinine how it's played. The fundamentals aren't there. You don't see a suicide squeeze, but what, maybe twice a year? Yeah. The leader in stolen bases for the year has forty. Ricky Henderson stole a hundred and twenty five regularly a year. Yeah. You know, it's the game has changed, and I'm not gonna say it's changed for the better. No, you know, it's, it's still not. baseball, but At the same time, I'm so frustrated that small ball has completely been eradicated.
2: I'm so frustrated that the game's given over to Sabermetrics. I'm also so so frustrated that we live in this era, too, where the GM is the god of the sport. It's not the manager anymore. Frequently, the GM was, you didn't even know the GM's name. And now they're the guys that (laughs) they are looking to hire somebody that will implement their plan.
1: Except for the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> and this, this absolutely <clears throat> has me laughing all the time. Locke when he was the GM, did all the talking. Yes. All the talking. Well, they promote him to director of baseball operations. Throw in another guy as the GM. Moselock still does, does all, all the song. talking. Gersh I, is the silent partner. I don't even know who he is. Yeah. Mike Gersh. Who? <laughs> I mean, he stands off in the corner somewhere, like somebody else I know, and doesn't <laughs> go names, and doesn't say a word, doesn't make himself known. And hey, buddy, you're supposed to be in this ball game. Come on. Nope. This is a strange set of circumstances. We're going to take a break. Yeah, this is our. We're
2: we're done with our weekly rant about baseball.
1: (laughs) No, we're not either. Because when we come back, I want to talk to you about what we might see on December first. Okay,
2: Okay. all right. I'm interested to hear about that. It's Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. It's your local live sports talk show.
0: Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network.
2: Mics are live, guys. <laughs> it's all right. Okay. We're talking sports. Just talking away. Just talking away. <laughs> so, before we went into the break, Ned did what we call in our business a tease. <laughs> What's happening on December 1st? Santa coming earlier this year? What's
1: happening? You know, it will, if they, if they settle all of this uh, peacefully and without any rancor and acrimony and things like that, but that's definitely not going to happen. What I really fear more than anything else is a work stoppage in next spring, which I think would be so devastating to the game of baseball, which really does need all the help it can get, Mm -hmm. all the positive reaction. Well, that's when the contract negotiations are set to begin. I really hope that they're beginning on it right now or have been. But when you take a look at some of the things that are happening in the game, these are all in my opinion. My opinion: bargaining chips that are going to have to be, for instance, say, "Well, we'll take the uh, we'll take the seven and double header out if you do this." Or uh-huh. you do, that. do you view do it that way, John? Oh, I completely do. I think it's going to be
3: very contentious because it already has been. Ned. last year the players wanted to play a lot more games than ownership agreed to. That was contentious. The rule changes. Have been contentious, and then what we just talked about—this new rule against sticky things—that has been contentious, just more because of the timing. Had it been done
1: in the off-season or after the season, it would have been probably fine. You now, John, I wonder how many realize this, and this is a subtle little footnote that's going to come into these negotiations. The 60 games that they played last year was not agreed to by the players. No. It was not agreed to by anybody other than the commissioner, idiot that he might be, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, who said, all right, we can't agree on anything, you're going to 60 games. They didn't agree. Unbeknownst to Major League Baseball, about four or five weeks ago, the Players Association filed a $500 million lawsuit for a failure to negotiate in, oh, what's the term? Good faith. faith. Good faith. Yes. Failure to negotiate in good faith. That's a $500 million. That's a bargaining chip. That's mm. going to come Absolutely. into play. <laughs> Drop that lawsuit and we'll do this and that and so forth and so on. But so, again, that's, that's what you're dealing with here. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with an authoritative figure who doesn't have to do certain things and make the game go.
2: This morning... My wife turned on Field of Dreams, which yes. is one of my favorite movies. Fantastic film. And she was talking about the scene in the movie when they come out of the, the cornfield and they, they stop for a minute and then they don't care. Mm-hmm. Just run out in the field and start playing. Don't, they, want, they don't want an explanation. They don't need an explanation. You don't need one as a viewer. Mm-hmm. But you get that joy of somebody playing baseball. I don't, I don't feel that joy at any level of baseball anymore. I don't see it in Major League Baseball. I coach kids for a number of years, and I don't feel it there. I don't feel it. I don't see it in the high school or college levels. I just see baseball has become such an individual sport. It's about Mm -hmm. me, what I get, where I'm going, what I'm doing, rather than the team. And baseball is unique. It's not like any other sport because Mm -hmm. it is a team sport, but you have your own moment in the team sport as a batter. And you don't really see that in any other sport.
1: Here's the upshot to what you said. And that is what you just described. Is that not a microcosm of our society anymore? Yes, it is. (laughs) I have to say I am very, very sorry with the way we have. I'm an old man. I can get away with this. (laughs) It's deteriorated (laughs) to the point where you do not have a solid joint Direction toward what you're doing. We're it's off at diverse ends, no matter what level you might think. Everybody, I, 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 me, 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 me. What, what can we do? What can I do? What can you do for our group? And hey, Come on, people. When, is, when are we going to grow up? Well, there's several ways when or how we will grow up, and none of them is pleasant. Mm-hmm. I'm, in, in fact, a little bit later on, I'm going to get into a historical moment that occurred 83 years ago Tuesday night that i think really brought america together we'll talk more about that in a second or two but the uh, the baseball contract talks baseball has to realize major league baseball the players joe they they play the game because they like it it's it's not for the individual reasons solely because they love the game Mm -hmm. i think for the most part look at the number of individuals from the Dominican Republic and the Asian countries who are coming in. It's because they love doing what they're doing, and they're they're getting paid for it. But uh, the fact of the matter remains that the media and the teams have overstepped their bounds by giving these enormous amounts of money to these people, and that has taken away a little bit from the uh, team level of what they do.
2: It's hard when you play, um, you're in a clubhouse, with 25, 27 guys, and there's one guy that's making $300 million, and then there's a bunch of guys who are, I'm not weeping <laughs> for anybody. Let's, right. let's not weep for anybody here. No, no, no. This is a case, if it all boils down to everything, this is a case of millionaires and billionaires fighting over dollars and cents. It is. And what's that mean to you and I? No, what's that mean nothing. to Ned Reynolds? What's nothing. that mean to John Oliver, not Joe a Weston? And what's it that, mean?
1: That is a point, Joe, that we've tried to bring up. They've got they being the officials who run these games, both from a players and an owner's standpoint. They've got to realize that we as fans don't figure into this at all. That's right. And somewhere, somehow, sometime that is going to backfire on them. Yeah, will and it'll backfire by not a not a unified boycott. Just as a hey, who gives a damn? Uh I don't going to go anymore.
2: Well, there's fewer and fewer. Fewer and fewer kids. There's fewer and fewer, uh, you know, it was a rite of passage as you grew up playing baseball, you know, getting maybe getting a glove handed down to you or or going to see, you know, I went to my brother's eight years older than I am. So I went to a lot of his games. I want to do that. I want to play baseball. And then, you know, playing catch with my dad, playing catch with my granddad. Mm -hmm. Uh, We played wiffle ball in the backyard all the time. (laughs) We collected baseball cards religiously and. You know, all that is kind of it, mm-hmm. there's there's things that we say in the media about you either grow old with your audience or you let your audience pass through you. And in the case of in the case of baseball, it's chosen to grow old with its audience.
1: And you guys indulge me for a childhood story. Sure. Absolutely. This, is, this is how much in my neighborhood back east, how much baseball meant to us as kids. Mm-hmm. We're nine, 10, 11 years old we could not get enough of the game Mm -hmm. uh, because the properties are a whole lot smaller back east and everything is together and so forth. Your backyard where you played was really very small. Okay, we devised a plan. Now, most of the homes back there are double, triple deck, uh, Uh second, third stories and so forth. My uh, brother, my younger brother and I devised a plan along with the neighbors in which we would take every single light lamp in the house uh, and put it on the edge <laughs> of the roof that over hung the and turn them on and i it was it was not bright but it was illuminated the neighbors what's wrong somebody tried to break in is there a fire back here? it was the funniest damn thing you've ever seen but we, we could play our game that's right we did it every single night
2: i have a similar story we had cypress trees on the back of our our lot and we wanted to play at night and we would get up in those cypress trees and put a flashlight <laughs> yes <laughs> any anything that we could think of that would give us light so that we could play that there was a park in our neighborhood And every night after dinner, there was a baseball game in that park. Yep. Every, every night.
1: That was the way we were back then. We're talking 50, 60, 70 years ago. But it was a good time. Everybody had fun. Everybody played the game. You had fun doing it. There weren't the, I'm not knocking them, but there weren't the travel teams as such. Yes, once you became adults, yeah, there were uh, Joe's Bar and Grill might have a team uh-huh. uh, that that played in the uh, Industrial League or whatever the case might be. But in terms of the kids playing, no, it's little league baseball, and that was it. Right. A couple of things to say about this, you know,
3: ba- baseball obviously Joe has been near and dear to our hearts. Yeah, we we, sh- we bonded over that. Yeah, honestly, when we, we friends over that absolutely. So you know, when we talk about last year was my last year in youth coaching. Um, you've been out for a few years. One of the things that we did that you just don't see much anymore is with our team, I always braced myself for the annual argument with the parents. And I'm not going to get on my soapbox and say all parents are bad. But every (laughs) (laughs) every year, parents would rally and say, we want names on the back of our jerseys this year. And I had to have the same speech prepared every year. We as an organization function as a team. Therefore, you don't have a name on the back of your jersey. The only name on your jersey will be the Pirates because that is our team name. And this way we function as a unit. There's a number to identify you, but you are not greater than the whole And that was something I prided myself on. And I know you did. Yeah. You know, when we talk about a work stoppage, we're not that far removed from the work stoppage in 1994. We lost a World Series that year. We almost lost the game. And I think people forget about that, how far baseball had fallen without Cal Ripken breaking the Iron Man streak of Lou Gehrig. Without Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire's home run chase, which now we look down upon years later, (laughs) baseball was failing. Another work stoppage, to me, could kill it, will be the death sentence.
1: And who brought about the restoration of baseball? Justice Sotomayor, now a Supreme Court justice, had she not exercised the particular clause that she saw there... We still might be on strike. That's right. My God almighty. that yeah. That is just unconscionable to think about that, that grown individuals who are negotiating <laughs> for the betterment of a sport, number one, and of the American public, number two, can't come to some kind of an agreement in which you make compromises. Right. Come on. That's what it's all about. Art Giamatti, we need you. Yes. We, we, we lost
2: you too soon. We will have a roundtable discussion. It's going to be about greatest sports rivalries. That's coming up next on Sports Talk with Ned Reynolds on 104.7 The Cave.
0: Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network.
2: First day of summer is coming up in just a couple of days, but it's already quite warm. I think it's sweltering. Ned disagrees. It with me. isn't sweltering. Come on, it's hot. I got a headache yesterday <laughs> mowing the yard. I said inside in air conditioning all the time. <laughs> I mean, Eric, I don't, I don't have that outdoor activity like I used to have when I coached. So and, I'm just, I'm not, be, a, I'm not acclimated to so it. be
1: right. chronological about it, it occurs, I think, at 11 o'clock tonight. Tonight, when summer comes in. So mm-hmm. happy, happy Father's Day. Happy summer. First, the first right. day of the summer solstice. I did want to talk though about. We were talking earlier about unification, how baseball seems to be individual on all sports are, for that matter. We were interviewing a guy on another show that I had the other day who is a former Bear. Mm -hmm. And I said, what's the big difference between playing for the Bears and playing for, in his case, the Lansing Lugnuts Mm -hmm. in the Oakland A's farm system? And he says, here... He said, Back when I was a bear, said, We all banded together. Everybody did everything together. We were there. He said, Don't do that now. This is an individual game. You're working on individual stats. You're working for yourself. Yeah, there's a level of team atmosphere about it, but it isn't quite the same. Well, all right. But maybe that did exist back in the 1920s and 30s and 40s. But there was an episode that had occurred on July, uh, June the 22nd, 1938. Which will be 83 years ago, Tuesday night, in which America was unified. And they had whatever capacity at Yankee Stadium was, 73, 74,000, for the rematch of a fight, heavyweight fight, between the then champion, Joe Lewis, and his challenger, the former heavyweight champion, Max Schmeling. It was the second fight between the two of them. The first one they'd had was not a championship fight, mm-hmm. and Lewis fell to the canvas for the first time in his career and was knocked out. 12th round, Schmeling knocked him out. This one, there was that factor involved here. And number two, Schmeling, although he was not a member of the Nazi party, he did represent Adolf Hitler and, and the German regime. He didn't agree with it, didn't have anything to do with it. Politics <laughs> was not his game, but he nonetheless was... Uh, a, a great professional fighter and a former world heavyweight champion, but he also fro- was from that country. And everybody knew, even back then, that it was going to end up in a conflict. The world came together. President Roosevelt called on Joe Lewis to come to the White House and said, hey, we really do need this. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joe Lewis absorbed it and said, uh, I'm going to do my best. And this best was a first-round knockout That's that right. had the world... The USA was absolutely one at that time. Everybody was together. There's no race. Everybody was an American. Mm -hmm. Everybody was rooting for the one guy because you're up against another alien enemy or alleged enemy. He really wasn't, but he represented an enemy uh, on the horizon. That's how we are not now. I hate it. We've got to have some kind of a direction in which we're going, some kind of a focal point that's going to make us all better. But because we have the diverse elements in this country, and that's not knocking the uh, certain diversions that we have, mm-hmm. that's part of our makeup. But it all has to come to the understanding that we're all in this for the betterment for all of us and not one over the other. Yes. Okay, said my piece. All right, let's talk about sports rivalries. Yes. And you were talking
2: about boxing there. You know, there's some great rivalries in boxing. (laughs) Ali Frazier.
1: Ali Frazier comes to mind immediately. Yes.
2: Yeah, but those are you know those are kind of transient because they they're the short period of time. I mean, we we, you talk about tennis a lot. You're a huge tennis fan. You could look back at Borg and McEnroe and and uh, McEnroe and Connors and look at those rivalries. In sports, but what what do you think is the best rivalry in all of sports? Oh
1: heavens, That's a tough the one. best the best one I think the most ongoing one in all honesty is Army Navy, the Army Navy mm-hmm. football game. That seems to have overcome all of the all of the yearly historical circumstances that have occurred. They represent the two, and and again, this is not an insult toward the Air Force Academy because they are. They are a major entity, but they're also the third one and Army and Navy, West Point, and Annapolis have been very much in vogue way before uh, Colorado Springs was. So you have to take those two and they play every year, have every year for eons and that in and of itself is to my in my opinion is a great rivalry. There are also several others when you take a look in alabama auburn mm-hmm. the uh, the Iron Bowl. Texas and Texas A and M, except they don't play anymore. That's right. <laughs> that was always a great rivalry, and Missouri, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: that's a that's one that's right here. That's uh, yes. that's a huge rivalry. And professional sports. I you mean, know, Cubs and Cardinals. Mm-hmm. It's a big one. Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, Giants. Dodgers, Giants. We don't get so much of that here, living in the Midwest. But when you watch those two teams play, they they still do not like each other. Mm-hmm. You,
1: how about Juan Marichal <laughs> swinging the bat at John Roseboro? Yes. Oh gosh, yes, they do not. But but it really came into vogue when it was New York and Brooklyn, when they were right mm-hmm. there next to each other.
2: Yeah. Uh, f- in football, it's kind of tough. I don't I don't think of there being really great rivalries in football. Because I think there's so many, if you're in a different place, you would probably think differently about it. And Mm -hmm. I will, I'll point that out because Chiefs fans hate, I mean, with the passion, if you ask them which team do they hate the most, it is always going to be the Raiders. Mm -hmm. But I think if you ask the Raiders which team (laughs) that they hate the most, Raiders fans, they would say the Broncos. Yes.
1: You're right, and I don't think it's fair to equate that with the pro level because everything runs in a rhythm there. You have your top high periods, you have your periods of decline, and so forth that happens. But in the colleges, when you have teams playing against each other every single year and it develops into that kind of rivalry, oh, oh, gosh, yes, that can really, really come to the fore. In boxing, you've had any number of them. You mentioned the Ali Frazier, of course, but... Uh, from heavens, Rocky Marciano fighting back in his heavyweight days against Jersey Joe Walcott was a, a great rivalry, and taking it down to the Sugar Ray Robinson-Carmen Basilio fights, mm-hmm. they were they were fierce brawls. Um, Sugar Ray Leonard and mm-hmm. Thomas Hearns, Marvin, Marvin, Hagler. Marvin Hagler, yes, they were uh, they were terrific battles. That's the boxing. It, mm-hmm. Again, it, it it's uh, it's really kind of a. A tough focal point to concentrate on because there are so many variables involved in what happens.
3: Rivalries are always fun to me. I like the contentious aspect of them. And I'm not a contentious person, but I think there's added stakes. When you talk about the Cardinals, Cubs and the Yankees and Red Sox, there are moments you can point to where those rivalries boiled over, especially with the Yankees and the Red Sox. You know, Bucky, and I'll say it the way <laughs> that uh, Bostoners do Bucky F. And Dent, you oh, know? Aaron F. And Boone. That's Aaron F. And Boone off of Wakefield, you know? Veritech, you know, hitting A Rod in the face after mouthing him, you know? Those sort of things trans in time. One of the ones that people forget about, which was a rivalry I really enjoyed, was the convicts versus Catholics rivalry with Notre Dame and Miami University. In those days, that was a huge rivalry because they were both the top in football, in college football, and it
1: got very, very heated. They did not. What I loved about it was they did not avoid each other. No. They knew what was at stake, uh, and Miami would go to South Bend, Mm -hmm. and Notre Dame would go down to the Orange Bowl in Miami, and they'd play. Oh, gosh, they were I'll tell you another one, too, that I should have hit right on the button is Michigan-Ohio. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a big one. one. That's a that's a huge one. I would In baseball, I would I would put the Cubs and Cardinals and the Dodgers and the Giants above the Yankees and the Red Sox. Oh, would you? Oh, okay. Yeah, I would. I don't think that that really quite has the same cachet that it used to have. It doesn't anymore. I don't think. And yeah. But when you watch the—especially at the end of the year, because the Dodgers and the Giants play each other at the end of the year— and there's nothing more than the team that's out of it. They'll play those games really hard to see if they can't disrupt playoff <laughs> seedings for the other ones. And the and the Cardinals and the Cubs, the standings just don't seem to matter. No. when they play each other,
3: not for that rivalry. It doesn't, they don't. It doesn't
2: ever seem to matter mm-hmm. so much when those two teams. I mean, it, it's it's and it's got a little. It's a little friendlier than mm-hmm. Yankees and Red Sox seem to be. But, though, I mean, those are the ones that come to mind to me. And football, though, just doesn't seem really to have any that I can think
1: of off the top of my head. Can well, you... well, we have an awful lot more games, not in pro football, no, no, but in college. Yeah, you, you do see some of it. Uh, you reminded me of the of hilarious story, which I'm quite sure is 100% true. It was right after the Red Sox had beaten the Yankees in that clutch home run, which I think it was in the seventh inning, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I, I think I have the right, Don Zimmer, wasn't it? Don yes. Zimmer the Red Sox yes. coach. So he packs up his bags, <laughs> he gets, gets in the car, Fenway Park, and he's driving home to Florida, I think it is. Spend the winter down there. He's, seen, he's just gotten knocked out of the playoffs. And uh, he's driving down, goes down through the East Coast, down from Massachusetts through uh, a little bit of New York and down through New Jersey, the Jersey Parkway, gets into Virginia, over a period of, um, oh, 25, 26, 27 hours, North Carolina stops the car, pulls over to the side of the road, gets another car, and Bucky effing <laughs> just hollers <laughs> it out into the, the pump.
2: <laughs> That's our sports rivalry conversation. We'll come back and wrap up the show in just a minute. Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave.
0: Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network.
2: Let us mention that we have our happy hour coming up on July 22nd with Mitch Holtis. It will be at the Riff, which is part of the Classic Rock Coffee Complex at the corner of Sunset and Kansas Expressway, just a little bit to the west of that corner. And tickets for that are on sale right now. Through our website, 1047thecave.com. You can also purchase them through the app. There'll be food there from Civil Kitchen. Of course, Ned Reynolds, Art Haynes will be there talking to Mitch. And Mitch will uh, get you set, get you up and ready to go for Chiefs football season. Been kind of quiet in Chiefs world this last week. Did have a few players rush to Randy. and Randy. Andy Reed's. <laughs> It was combining names there. Andy Reid's defense with the whole thing uh, yeah. that happened with Le'Veon Bell. And, of course, Andy Reid being the class act that he is said, I, I'm, I'm rooting for him. Yeah. I want the best for him. That tells you all you need to know. Exactly. Exactly. Everything that you need to know. Weather-wise today, 91 under, well, going to have some clouds this afternoon. Rain tonight, possible 73 for an overnight low. What are you going to watch on TV this afternoon? Ed? Probably
1: not this afternoon. Probably be tonight I'll watch the second game of the Cardinals and the Braves mm-hmm. and uh, from and probably intersperse that with the Atlanta Hawks and the Philadelphia 76ers yes. a little bit too. But yeah, there will be a good evening of of televiewing. Have some chores to do before that, but don't we all. Yes, we do. <laughs> hey,
2: we didn't get a chance really to talk about it and and uh, maybe next week we can talk about it a little bit, John, but a little changing of the guards going on in the NFL and the NBA right
3: now. Absolutely. A lot of exciting young teams. mentioned the 76ers. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks got over the hump last night against yeah. the Super
2: Team. The Super Team beat Harden. Um, Kyrie Irving plays for that team. And That's also right. uh, Kevin, Durant. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Yeah.
3: Maybe the best player in the world in my opinion. It was a fantastic Game 7 as well. Yeah. It really was good.
2: And uh, what's going on in the Western Conference? There, uh, in the West Western
3: Conference, we have the Suns and oh, a, a surprise. Yes, both are surprises. Honestly, the Clippers not as much a surprise, but Devin Booker has led the Suns
1: to the promised land, and uh, and they have uh, they have the steadying influence of Chris Paul yes. when he's not selling insurance somewhere. He's right. out there <laughs> playing basketball. <laughs> Uh, it, it's pretty good. They yeah. have a very nice young team. I think they give the Clippers a really rough way to go. The Suns, Suns had a great year this year. Yes, and the Lakers did. are still in? Uh, they are not. <laughs> They're not? <laughs> they are not. No. Who do they lose to? Um, uh, <laughs> they, the Lakers got knocked out by Phoenix. They really? Yeah, the Suns. Wow, I didn't
2: know that. Uh, yeah. Well, you, I saw that the, the Celtics are already in the process of blowing that team up. They yep. traded Kimba Walker and uh, brought Al Horford back.
3: Yep. They'll, uh, they'll they'll blow up the L.A. team a little bit. You won't, well, you won't see Davis or LeBron, but they'll bring in some new personnel.
2: Well, I can't say that I'm unhappy about that because, <laughs> man, not seeing LeBron James in the championship and no knocking him. He's a polarizing guy mm-hmm. when you talk about sports because sometimes I really love him and then there's other times I'm like, just shut up.
1: Right, He's a great player. He he's, is a, great. No he's a great player. No about the fact he's a great player and he is a team leader
0: yes. with that group.
1: Yeah, he's uh, antagonized a few with his mouth. He needs to be a little bit more calm with that. But it's Anthony Davis who's the catalyst to that team. Yes. If he's not there and he wasn't. He was not. He was not. That's really hurt him because LeBron cannot carry the team himself.
2: Well, changing of the guard, and that's always exciting when you watch some of these young teams in the it NBA is. and see how that they're doing, and, and it's not the same old, same old. So Be that's sure and good. watch
3: tonight to watch Trey Young. You talk about yeah. a change in the guard. That kid's exciting.
2: All right. Who are you rooting for? Uh,
1: I'm rooting for the Hawks, but I'm not going to be upset if the Sixers. You're a closet 76ers fan? Man, the intern I'll be on here tomorrow morning. Thank you for asking that, too. I, I Come on. I'm neutral. Well, in a sense. Anyway. Whatever.
2: <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> All right. We'll be back next week with Ned Talk. Ned, have a happy Father's Day. John, have a happy Father's Day. Thanks, well, I want to say thanks to uh, everybody out there for being part of the show and downloading the podcast. Thanks to Mike, the intern, Scott Meyer, Corbin Campbell. We'll see you next Sunday at noon for Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave.